So this it. is the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul. And my name is Mike. I'm here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi. We're doing tonight 411 Crawl Space. And Kelly, this is right, almost a continuation directly from the last one where the boys left Salute. They left the cartel house, the hacienda, after having a, a shootout and poisoning the, the big Dons and Capos. Um, yeah. So the first storyline we're going to talk about is the cartel, uh, how they how they abandon that capo house and get to the warehouse that's a medical center that Gus had prearranged. I thought it was pretty cool how Gus set up that whole medical tent inside that yeah. warehouse. Yeah, he knew he was going to have to have emergency assistance after the the poison. Um, I think that charcoal was probably like they use in the hospital when you overdose on something, but it won't save you. So uh, he thought of everything. Yeah. And I, I remember on my rewatch, I know I've, I've rewatched it a, few, a time or two be- before our podcast. So I've seen this episode a few times. The first time and maybe one or two of the first rewatches, Kelly, I didn't remember that this was a different building than the meth factory. I always kind of thought those were the same place. Oh, no. Uh-uh. He's got a he's got a whole separate setup where they I mean they wouldn't even save Mike. It was all about Gus. Get him in there. Get him top. You know they're paying our salary. Um, so yeah, that was a whole separate setup he had. Right. See. Plus, it wouldn't make sense to go from killing <laughs> all the cartel chiefs and then going right to their meth factory. They're all on the same team. <laughs> right. So yeah, I, you know, I felt kind of silly about that. But they they go to this old warehouse and inside is a pristine medical tent that Gus's doctor has set up with every possible medical contingency ready and pre-prepared for things that might happen. Um, and you let, you're right. They pick Gus over Mike because Gus is the one that writes the checks. Um, although I still wonder how Jesse got there. I'm, you know, it's still kind of hard for me to figure out. But Jesse comes screaming around the corner, and that's, the, that's where they are. Um, because at that point, Gus does look unconscious unconscious and mike is pretty much out of it yes exactly i guess they don't want us to think about that (laughs) i don't know there's probably not a lot to choose from it's probably like follow this road and you know in eight miles you'll see this place we need to go to yeah because there was no there was no uh, pre-plan you know jesse didn't know what was going on until they were rushing out to the car so it's not like maybe they had a map in the car. Who knows? I don't know. No pre-plan for Jesse, but certainly Gus had a pre-plan. He had that thing all set up to, you know, they just drained his blood and recycled his blood with clean blood to get the poison out of him. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a pre-plan for Jesse. Like, okay, we're gonna kill the cartel, and then when we get out to the car, we're gonna have a map and a GPS. You know, he had no idea what was going on. Yeah. He thought so he was going to be at the cartel. <laughs> that's how 411 starts, and then they go to credits, and that's the first scene. Later on, we see that Mike gets a transfusion, too. I'm just going to stick with this scene, this uh, storyline about the cartel and, the, and escaping through this medical tent. So Mike gets a transfusion later, too, and Jesse sees the fridge with all their blood and the blood types and all the other medical supplies. Um, and the, that doctor knows all about the three of them and their medical histories in case anything came up as an emergency that he would have to fix he knew all about them including jesse yeah that leads me to believe that gus had given him instructions like i obviously am first save me first 
but save them as well. If, you know, I'm good to go, then go ahead and pay attention to them. Because why else would he have the blood and the extra beds and everything there? Yeah. I'm sure he told the doctor, here's the plan. I'm going to put poison into my system. I'm going to wear, take this charcoal. You need to get this poison out. of. I mean, I'm sure he told him everything mm-hmm. because he knew it was not a really clean operation. He had to get saved a little bit after that poison. Right. Um, so J- Gus and Jesse get healthy before Mike does, and they're going to have to leave Mike behind. He's going to take them a week to rest up, I guess. But they're going to walk the six miles back to Texas across the border. Now, Kelly, this kind of violated the all three of us get out or none of us rule that they had kind of established. Well, obviously, Mike wasn't fit to travel. Otherwise, I think he would have. But, you know, Jesse, as much as he loves Mike, I think he wanted to get the hell out of there pronto. I mean, they just killed the cartel. Hopefully you get better, Mike. But I think Jesse wanted to get going. Yeah, and I guess essentially they saved Mike. He wasn't being left in danger. He was in a pretty remote camouflage spot. He probably would have been okay. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know later on he does get back. So, Um, And Jesse, along the way of this walk, kind of reminds Gus that he won't work alone. He won't work without Walt. He's still protecting him. Right. It goes right into, I think you could run the lab alone. And he's like, well, you know, I've already told you this at dinner. You know, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere without um, Walt. So to kind of finish up with what Gus and Jesse do, they, they visit Hector in the retirement home. Hector's in there watching The Bridge Over the River Kwai. I don't know why Gillian picked that movie, but that was it's a pretty classic old war movie. And this is where Gus shows Tio the evil eye medallion. And kind of gives it to him. He lets him keep it, right? Puts it in his pocket. Yeah, almost, I guess they probably took it like kind of like proof. Like, look, we actually killed him. We wouldn't have his necklace without it. Just kind of hurts him even that much more. Because he hates Teal. Yeah. He just can't wait to exact revenge on him. Well, he really rubs it in. He says, all of the Dons are dead. Your grandson, Joaquin, is dead. And the last of the Salamanca name died with him. And Hector still won't look at him, though. Yeah, and it's it's weird that um, Gus kind of pointed the finger at Jesse. He had no idea what he was walking into. And he says, you know, he killed your grandson, that guy right over there. Yeah, you meet the boy, meet the man who killed your grandson. You remember him, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's creepy. At least Gus was more quiet with his chair this time. He kind of picked it up and moved it. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so another one of our storylines in Crawl Space was Ted's money deal with the IRS. Now, Ted's, Ted is telling Skylar he's not going to do it her way. And he tries to give her the money back that she gave him with the check. And he, he's um, giving her back a little bit less than she gave him, which was somewhat funny. Um, she gave him 621000 through the through the aunt donation. But he's only going to give her back 617000 well, he's got um, that Mercedes to pay for. Yep. And he says it's just wrong to use illicit gambling money winnings for for this IRS deal. Skyler says, dude, you're full of shit. I cooked your books. That was wrong, too. Um, but it really looks like all of this is a subtle ploy by Ted to get more money out of Skyler. Do you think he was blackmailing mailing her? It's funny. There was just a thread on one of my Facebook pages about that today. I don't think that... Um, um. Because he, he did have a good argument, even though he's really irritating. 
uh, that, you know, it's not going to change much of my situation if you give me this money back. Uh, and then she said, well, what do you mean? You want me to give you more money? And he's like, no, don't twist my words. So yeah. uh, she didn't, it's not like she's a millionaire and he can milk her. I mean, who knows where even she got that much money to give him. Yeah, I know. But Ted, Ted's right. He does need more money to keep his business alive. He's going to lose his house. He's going to, you know, he's going to have to pull his daughter out of school. And she did come up with 600000 with, like, the snap of a finger. And I would think if I was Ted, I would think, well, she came up with six hundred. Maybe she can come up with a million. Mm-hmm. I think it was blackmail. I, I know they probably left it open for interpretation, but I, kind of, I think I kind of choose to think that it was blackmail. Yeah. But, um... Skylar is going to ask Saul for help in this, and this is where we meet his A team. And Huel and Kubi, uh, two great characters that were introduced to the show at this point. We've seen Huel before, but Huel and Kubi together were, and we've seen Kubi before, but them together are just golden. Yeah, that was good. You know, you've got Bob the comedian, and those two are comedians, and yeah, it's funny to see those two. And are you are you happy, Huel? Reasonably. That whole thing was great. I'll tell you what this is about, Mr. Beneke. This is about you and me doing our best to keep Huel happy. Huel? Who's Huel? This is Huel. Huel, you happy? Reasonably. What would make you unhappy? This uh, motherfucker not doing what he's told. If you were to become unhappy, Mr. Beneke wouldn't care for that? I'm going to say no. Well, there you have it. So Huel and QB make him write the checkout, um, and... Kelly, I thought Bill Burr is a pretty damn good criminal. He's very matter-of-fact. He looks kind of like a criminal in his leather jacket there. But Huel's happy. They get him to write the check. But it turns out Ted's neck isn't very happy. (laughs) Yeah, when he runs and hits the... What does he hit? The coffee table? Hits like the cabinet and the oranges fall down. Do you think we're going to see Ted again in Better Call Saul? Uh, it's possible because of the, there was some speculation with some of his um, uh, phone book ads. Like there's Beneke in it, uh, so possibly. But the oranges falling uh, is also symbolic to when Carol, uh, in one of the last episodes, when the oranges fall out of her bag uh, to it's either Godfather. Um, yeah. With the oranges falling, that was on purpose, but. Yeah, and Godfather 2, the Godfather is shopping for oranges in the street, or looking at fruit and vegetables in the streets of New York, and as soon as he picks out the oranges and he has a bag of oranges, the guys come up and try to assassinate him and shoot him. Yeah. You know, Gilligan was probably a huge fan of the Godfather. Absolutely. Um, and so the very last thing here we see about Hugh and QB and the A-team and Saul and all this is that they report that it was an act of God, <laughs> this whole neck, Ted's neck thing. Right. Like, how are we going to get Skylar to believe that this wasn't by force that he actually slammed into something when he slipped on the rug? It sure messes things up, though. Like, what a what an unfortunate mess up for this for this plan. It looked like it was going perfectly. Right. Well, they did get the check, didn't they? Yeah, they got the check. But now the guy that's potentially under suspicion of the IRS has a broken neck. You know, it's just not good. It's messy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so another thread in this story was Walt and Hank. Um, Hank has Walt driving him around so they can spy on Gus's warehouse. And they're looking at this warehouse from a distance. And 
Hank tries to tell him about the the art of surveillance and like watching watching places, I guess. Um, which was pretty funny because I remembered the time Hank was watching that RV and he got caught snooping on those people in the RV. Yeah, didn't he say it's all? It's not all speedboats and supermodels. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So during this time of surveillance, though, they have a lot of downtime. Hank tells Walt about the big happenings down in Mexico, and that's meaning this big um, poisoning scene that we saw. Um, and he starts to ask Hank. Uh, Hank starts to ask Walt about his beat-up face and invites him to talk about it. And uh, Walt says, "I'm done explaining myself." As Heisenberg kind of leaks out there. Right. Exactly. He's done. I mean, he's got his son asking him questions. He's got. His wife asking him questions. He's being followed. He's just like, I'm over it. Everyone just needs to get off me. So they have a little bit of a a scene later on where Walt picks up Hank and Tyrus is still watching them. Tyrus is somewhere down the street on Hank's block. Even though Walt has, like, called the cops on him one time before, Tyrus is back. He's still surveilling Hank. But they go together on another run and they go to the laundry, or they're about to go to the laundry, um, and Hank tells Walt that Madrigal owns the laundromat, Madrigal Electromotive. And that was the in, in Gail's notebook, the company that made the air cleaning equipment. So they right. own the laundry. They also own um, Poyos Hermanos. Yeah, you can see he's closing in. And here now they're heading towards the the um, laundromat. Now what does he do? You yeah. Know? Poor, poor Hank, man. He's getting beat up by all these crashes and stuff. But what what do you think Walt was doing there, Kelly? He turns the car right in the path of an oncoming truck, right where Hank is sitting. Do you think he do you think he knew Hank would get hurt by that? I don't know if he had time to look into all that. He was panicking. I mean, they the laundry knows his car. And he can't pull up, obviously, with his DEA brother. So he just kind of crashed into a car to, you know, obviously change their course that day. But I don't know if he meant to get him hurt because he's been protective over Hank from the beginning. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the results of all this, they go, they're, you know, later on, they're back at the the White House. Um, or not the White House. What's Hank's name? Schrader House. Mm-hmm. Eating looks like ice cream or yogurt or something. And they all seem pretty happy, even though they've been in this car crash. Hank calls Walt Mr. Magoo, which is kind of funny. And then he tells everybody he's going to order a gimp mobile. Right, which, you know, it's funny because Walt keeps trying to keep Hank off the trail, but Hank just keeps coming. Like, no more Hardy Boys routine, according to Marie. And, oh, I'm just going to get this car that I'll get to drive around in. So he's just constantly on his trail. Yeah, he wants to be more free. I, I'm, he's being gracious. He's trying to sound gracious like, Walt, I don't want to put you out anymore. But he knows he's better off on his own. He's free to go and come and go as he pleases if he can get himself around, too. Right. So he orders this special car that he can drive. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit, Kelly, about Walt and Tyrus. Um, they're working together alone in the lab now, and Walt tries to pull a trick on Tyrus. He he weighs the the production a little bit heavier. He calls it a little bit more than it really is. Um, like it's supposed to be two hundred and two hundred three pounds, and Tyrus reweighs it. It's only two hundred and one pounds, and I think it's because if it if he records it as a higher weight and then it shows up later as less that 
Walt could blame Tyrus for trying to steal some of it. That's a good theory. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's trying to get Tyrus in trouble, I think. Um, he's, and he's worried. He's, he's trying to do something to mess up the operation because he's still worried about Hank catching on to them. And, uh, you know, that would, that would be bad. That's the whole Hank catches Gus, Hank catches us. Right. So now Walt, I guess they can't go to the laundry anymore. Walt's wheeled into the laundry through the la- dirty laundry cart, which is kind of funny. He asks if it has to be dirty laundry, and Tyrus says yes. No, he said no. Oh, he says no? <laughs> Whatever he said, it was funny. Yeah, no, that, you're right. Does the laundry always have to be dirty? And he said no. <laughs> <laughs> and so Walt finds out that while he was away, somebody had cooked. Um, and I guess we find out that it was Jesse. So Walt's going to beg Jesse next not to cook without him because it makes it's essentially Walt's death sentence. If you can, if they can make it happen without me, I'm not going to be around much longer. But Jesse thinks that Walt betrayed everybody by bringing Hank to the lab. Yeah. Well, Hank to the. How does he know that he brought Hank to the lab? He knows somehow because he he accuses Hank of doing. Uh, he accuses Walt of doing it. I guess they're. I guess Tyrus is probably watching everything those guys do. I thought that was later when Gomi when Steve Gomez comes and then um, uh, Gus calls and says, "See what your partner brought on you." Well, that happens too. But they also Jesse also says directly to Walt, "Why would you bring your brother-in-law to the lab?" Huh. Oh, okay, yeah. Maybe because Tyrus told him? Yeah, I think Tyrus was watching it from... from it. You know, that's all Tyrus does is spy on people. Right. Tyrus isn't going to cook by himself in the lab, so if he's, you know, he's not going to be by himself, he's probably watching Walt. I don't know, I think it came from Tyrus. So now Tyrus zaps Walt with a taser after um, this meeting. I guess Walt and Jesse was at Jesse's house. Yeah, Andrea. Andrew, yeah, they were playing games, and he shows up, and... Tyrus is there to say, you know, you don't be coming around. This is a really low moment for Walt because he's he's appealed to, he's appealed to Jesse. Jesse's thrown him out. Said, "Screw it, I'm not helping you." And then Tyrus zaps him, and now he's grabbed by Tyrus of the hood thrown over his head. And he meets. They go out and they meet with Gus, and Gus fires him. Says, "You know, you're you're done." And Walt says, if you could kill me, you'd already do it. I'd already be dead. And Gus gives him that infamous line about, I'll kill your your wife and your infant daughter and your son. And pretty brutal stuff. Yeah. And I mean, he had said before, you know, I don't I don't believe fear to be an effective motivator a couple series seasons back and or episodes back. And now he's got him out in the desert. Yeah, I guess the thing he's warning him about now is that he's going to kill Hank. Gus has decided he's going to kill Hank. It's a done deal. You can't do anything about it, Walt. But if you do, if you try to, or if you warn him, if you interfere, I'll kill your wife, your son, your daughter. So, So Walt is really trapped and really feels kind of like he's out of options at this point. I thought it was interesting, Kelly, that he warned Walt about his plan with Hank. Like, why didn't he just kill Hank? He kind of warns Walt. Um, maybe because, um, uh, Walt would try to warn Hank. I don't know. Right. But why not just kill Hank? Why didn't Gus just kill Hank? I guess it adds to the story because it makes Walt more afraid. 
Because uh, Walt's really frantic at this point. He's, he goes to Saul and gets the phone number of the disappearer dude, um, which was a little bit of a horror comedy in itself. It's the vacuum cleaner number, and he has to ask for a certain model number. Yeah, actually, the idea, it's funny, I don't know what's going on on airplanes and sky malls, but the writer of this, um, George Masterson, thought of this idea when he was reading an, art, an article on a news, on a on an airplane uh, about a disappearer because these people, they'll start off trying to find people as a career and then they turn around and they start dis- trying to disappear the people. So it's actually a real career. Oh, uh, that's people- interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is going to cost Walt a bunch of money. It's 125 per person and then Saul says something about you need the deluxe acceleration mode for this because mm-hmm. you're doing it fast. Um, yeah. And Walt talks Saul into giving him a one how one hour head start and then warning warning Hank. He doesn't want Hank to die because of this. Uh, and Saul struggles with that a little bit. He's like, I can't warn him. And Walt says, well, I certainly can't. We're family. Everybody knows my voice. So probably through Francesca or somehow um, Saul does agree to warn Hank. Yeah, Francesca. And so this sets off a whole frantic set of events here. Walt's really in scramble mode. He goes goes down and looks in the crawl space for his money, and he finds that it's not all there. Uh, Skylar comes in, and she's looking all scared and worried, and she looks down at Walt, and he's looking up at her and asking where the money is, and she tells Walt of all places she gave it to Ted to protect the family. What a, what a feeling Walt must have had. He's so desperate already to start with, then he finds out all his money's gone, and it's gone because his wife gave it to the guy that she cheated on him with. Right. How did... How do you explain that? <laughs> well, Walt does about all he can do is he just gets into a like a hysterical screaming and laughter fit, which was relatively terrifying. <laughs> it it was really just, was, and they had that twisted kind of music with the phone ringing, and then Marie's on there saying, oh, it happened again. Everybody, someone's trying to kill Hank. Yeah, everything's so urgent, like the... Gus is going to kill Hank. Walt has no money to disappear with. The phone is ringing. That's already in motion. It's just so urgent and desperate. Um, and he's got no resources. She gave away all the resources. Uh, I don't know. It was just. Um, it was just really strange. Skylar appeared to calm down though a bit at the end. There, she picks up the phone and she kind of says, "Don't worry, we'll take care of it." She, she calms Marie down. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a little interesting. Like she had a little bit of game in her. You know, she was ready to 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 stand up to whatever was going to happen next. Right. I think she's starting to get a better backbone for all this stuff. I mean, there's constant things changing, and you know, she was never cut out for this in the beginning. Either was Walt, really. Right. <laughs> so, crawl space is picked by a lot of people as one of the most dramatic of all the episodes in Breaking Bad, and it's a pretty intense one. Um, but that's where thing, things end in this one for 411. Kelly, things are really picking up. The roller coaster's really accelerating here as we get down to the last couple episodes. Yeah, but I feel like we're on the top, ready to drop down, and then we're going to go right back up again and then go back down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty exciting stuff. So that's it for our West Coast Project coverage of Breaking Bad Season 4, Episode 11. Crawl space. My name is Mike, and my Twitter handle is at scathing tweets. Kelly, what is your Twitter handle? BRBA underscore fun facts. And your websites? 
is Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram and Breaking Bad Fun Facts on Facebook. All right, awesome. So we'll see you next time, Kelly, for number 12, End Times. End Times. Okay, sounds good. Okay, talk to you then.